It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And welcome to Carcone Carney. I'm James Van Also, The show brought to us tonight by our friends at Siren Records in McHenry. Their way up north. We'll be heading towards the south side in just a second here. Also, Carcone Carney presented by Phonation, a Chicago podcast compilation. Ten Chicago podcasts pressed onto handsome, highly collectible vinyl. As I'm recording this, as I'm doing this show, it is Tuesday night. And on Friday night, it all comes crashing to a halt. That's the way Crowdfunding works on Kickstarter. It's an all or nothing thing. And 8 p.m. Friday is the deadline. If you would like to support Phonation, and I wish you would, because as of right now, I, I'm no mathematician, but only 150th of my Facebook friends have supported Phonation. I would like more than that. It, it, just to show up five bucks, five bucks. That's all I'm asking for. I, I'm, I'm not begging. I just, it, it'd be nice. It'd be, it'd be cool if you did. Uh, Phonation, a Chicago podcast compilation. If you are a fan of podcasts, which I hope you are, because you're watching and listening to this podcast. If you're a fan of records, which in the modern day, how can you not be? If you're a fan of supporting Chicago stuff and Chicago culture, which come on, Phonation on Kickstarter. There, I, I'm done with my huckster pitches. That said, of those 10 podcasts we're pressing onto vinyl, I have the host of one of them on the show right now. He is Chris Lanuti from Southside Pod. Southside Pod, a very well done, a very funny, community-focused podcast. Mount Greenwood Evergreen, Blue Island Beverly, Payless and LSIP 2. You're tuned into the Southside Pod. Oak Lawn Midlothian, Oak Forest Chicago Ridge, Flossmore and Bridgeview. You're listening to Southside Pod. Did I get that right, Chris Lanuti of Southside Pod? I'm going to tell you something. Bill would think that was the greatest thing in the world that somebody knew all of his lyrics. Uh, he's still mad at me for the intro because we practiced it and we were sitting down here. And if you notice, there's a point where I don't jump in and yell Southside Pod in the background and it aggravates him every week. Every week he sends me something. He goes, great show. You still screw up in the intro. And, <laughs> and he won't re-record it because he's not going to make it. He thinks he's perfect in it, so he's not changing it. But it's like there's a mistake in the intro for all of time. But he'd be really excited that you that you remembered the, how the show starts off. And oh, I love it. Having me on, I, I can't believe I'm on. I'm on anything with JVO, man. I, you know, Chicago kid. You know, I can't believe that I'm on with JVO right now. This is awesome. Stop it. Are you wearing a White Sox shirt? I am. I most of my wardrobe is a White Sox. That, that's from that. That was a, a freemium. I was at that game like three or four years ago. Yeah, that was, that was the. the game. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's I, I got to say, of all the free T-shirts I've acquired through the years, uh, that one still fits really well. Yeah, this is one of their higher quality ones. Like sometimes you go to a ball game, like any ball, not just White Sox games, but any place, and you get like a uh, like a freebie, and the thing shrinks the first time in the wash, or the color changes, or like the the logo starts falling off. Yeah. The shirt. This was a really well made shirt, and then that's like the plumber, the plumbers union, or something, right? Union guys made it. Of course, it's stuck. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, but it's funny. It, like that is one of my favorite White Sox pieces of apparel that I own is that one free shirt, which you're wearing right now. And yeah. since you also host a White Sox podcast, it's only appropriate you're decked out in White Sox garb. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I do a lot of podcasts. I th 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 that's um, like I I we started messing around. I would say, uh, oh gosh, ten years ago 
we were just screwing around in my basement and we were doing this show called the broadcast basement. And we just came up with a name and we started messing around. And it was just us telling like stupid jokes and swearing and acting like idiots. And, you know, it, it, I couldn't believe anybody would ever listen to it. And then like, as we kind of got more into it, I started like trying other kind of podcast out. And I started like one just for evergreen park on the South side called the EP podcast, which has been around now for like three years and has become like part of that community. And then my buddy and I started one where we just started sitting at my bar down here talking about the white Sox and Sox in the basement. Now is just a huge podcast in the, uh, in the white Sox lexicon. Like, you know, that it's mm-hmm. one of the go-to ones and I'm still surprised by that. And then the guys who I started the original stupid show with were like, why don't we have a show? Right. So Southside Pod was born and it's done a lot better than the original one. And I appreciate you uh, including us in, in your project right now. I, I hope that more of your Facebook friends start uh, donating. Seriously, one fiftieth, one fiftieth. I'm not bitter, but come on. Uh, but I love Southside Pod. I mean, for someone I, I'm I, I'm a Northside guy. I, I love the Southside. I love my friends on the Southside. This is this is great. And I think you figured it out, Chris, something that I, I, I'd like to think I figured out as well. Hyperlocal is the only thing that cuts through in podcasting. Every other concept has been or has currently been done. Like, right. There's nothing new you can bring to the podcasting universe. So by planting your flag in something that is unique and local, that's the that's the only way through. Well, you got to find something, first of all, that you like. Like you Absolutely. have to really be passionate about it. Like I, like my White Sox show, like I have people ask me like, well, why do these, why do some of your shows work so well? And I always go, well, I care about them. Like I can do the Evergreen Park one because I live in Evergreen Park. Like I and my kids go to school in Evergreen Park. I've been in Evergreen Park for 15 years. I didn't I wasn't born here, but I've spent the last 15 years here. So it's easy for me to talk about everything that's going on there. It's it's easy for me to talk about the White Sox are my favorite team. Like I like the Bears, um, but I don't think the show would be as good because I'm such a baseball geek that the White Sox one would make far more sense for me. And the South Side one just makes sense. We're you know, we're, we're all South side guys and, and gals, we've got, you know, a few, a few females that will jump on the show from time to time and contribute as well. We've got a whole group of people and, you know, this is, we all grew up down here and, you know, this is where we're from. And we've got that South side chip on our shoulder. We're like, nobody <laughs> ever includes us in anything. Like whenever they put out like the top 25 places to get a burger, there's never one for the South side, like so best, best 25 places to get a slice, best 25 places to go get a beer. It's ne- like the most South they get is like Cermak. Like that's maybe, maybe that's it. Like they got no South loop. They got, Oh, here's our South side location. It's just South of the river. Like, I mean, that, that's how it is. So this was like a so missing true. thing for the South side. And that's why we thought it'd be a fun idea. And it's, it's taken off. We're really enjoying doing it. It's so funny. You say that I, I've been going to blue Island a lot. There, there's a lot to do in blue Island. I go to uh, rock Island public house. I, I go to blue Island beer company. And I think the last time I was at blue Island beer company, the, the owner, Alan said to me, Wow, man. Thank you so much for coming all the way out here. Like, like I just made a trip to the South of France, but it's true. It's that South side chip on the shoulder. And there is, I think on the, you know, to disparage the North side, there's that perception that the South side is like traveling across the globe right. to get to where you're going. Like it's not a quick 20 minute trip up 94 and 57 to, to go to blue Island or Alsip or any of those places. Yeah. And I think that's the funny thing that you see South siders don't have that perspective because I think a lot of us at some point, We'll get to a certain age. We're like, hey, I'm going to go party downtown or I'm going to go head up into the, you know, the, the Wrigleyville neighborhood or I'm going to go I'm going to go find some place where like things are happening 
Like where the, do the I, only way to the only reason to go party in Wrigleyville is if you lose a bet. Who's doing that? Right. But they're like even over for, the age of 30. Who's doing that when you're when you're younger? I'm saying like when you're when you're young and you're just out like looking for girls, let's say not, yeah, okay. not, not when I'm an old man now. OK, but I mean, like but then but we at least at some point we experience the part where we get into a car and we drive to the north side. I don't think that happens the other way around. It doesn't. It it's, really doesn't. This is like a wasteland out here. And this is we have some amazing spots on the south side of Chicago, some incredible neighborhoods. You mentioned Blue Island. Blue Island is like one of the coolest little towns that like nobody visits. And when once they do, they're like, man, I want to go here all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm a big fan of Blue Island. I'm a big fan of just everything from the layout of the streets to the type of places that you mentioned there. I mean, I've been in that blue Island beer company a, a ton of times. Uh, you know, I've been over to, to rock Island public house and they've got that. What is it? Butter upon bacon. That's over there. And it's a great little like, you know, restaurant that's inside of the place. And there's just all these little things there and every neighborhood has its own. Uh, I, I, it has its own thing. You know, they're all their own little thing, but they're also all part of one big South side area. And you know, there's so much to explore down here that I don't think most Chicagoans get. They don't understand that there's a lot of culture down here and a lot of really yeah. cool spots to hang out. And I love it. And that's what you reveal. I mean, I, just listening to your podcast, I mean, your love of breweries. I mean, just I, whether it's one trick pony or a rabbit or whatever. I mean, you you shine a light on those places. And to your point about community in, in the South Side, to me, craft brewers, craft breweries, those are the, the, the lifeblood of neighborhoods. Those, those are like cornerstones of our communities. So yeah, it makes I, sense that you would shine a light on them. I would say so. Like I, first I find like I've met an awful lot of different business owners over the last few years doing all these different podcasts. And there's something to be said for guys that start breweries like that. First of all, they're crazy. They're all nuts. The idea that they would just but they're start- passionate, just like you with your podcast, no, they're no, following no. their passion. I know, but they, but they're also like they they have to go out on a limb to say I'm going to put all this money into brewing yeah. beer and hope that people like it. So, they, but they're also really they're really inventive. They're they're maybe the most inventive like business owners that I've met, or at least some of sure. them. And you get these very you get these very interesting spots with really interesting stories and how they got there, and they all have their own little things that are that are unique to them, it, not only in the beer, but maybe how they serve it and how the the building and the location and everything else like that. They're just so fascinating to go and explore. That's why I think I enjoy going to them so much. They, they all have their own little story and they they all have the, not only among not only with the brewery, but the people that actually own them. I've just really enjoyed exploring breweries and the South Side's got a great group of breweries. I mean, the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail is just just neat. I mean, that thing runs from from Beverly with uh, Open Outcry and Horse Thief that runs all the way through Blue Island, heads out to all the way to Crete with uh, Evil Horse. And yeah. then you got, you got the new place that I think we just did recently that's out in Chicago Ridge that, that won Allegiance, which is a brewery that started during the pandemic. And I don't understand how you start any business during a pandemic and it grows as big as theirs did. And their community didn't even know who they were. Like, I mean, like every other business, like, hey, help out the place that we always go to. So it's still around. People helped out that place and they had never been to it. Yeah. Like, I mean, people love the fact that a brewery moved in there. So they're really interesting stories. I, I love I love visiting the breweries. Well, I, I've said it before, but I think for consumers, brewers and breweries are it's like finding a cool band. It's like indie rocks, like being able to go out, to, go out to a club and discover something that your friends 
have to have to know about. Like there's that pioneering spirit of, you know, planting your flag at the brewery, discovering that IPA or, or whatever that you want to turn your friends on to. The, the, the cultural parallels, I think, are, are pretty striking. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that uh, um, and, and then the other thing is the fact that, like, you, you get out there and you try things that you haven't you haven't tried. Mm-hmm. You almost force yourself in, out of your comfort zone when you walk into a brewery. I think everybody's got things that they like, but then there you start trying other things when you walk into them. And, uh, and trust me, if, if this was a full screen thing, you could see the gut that I've grown from going to all of these breweries. JV. Southside represent. I've got the, I've got the Southside beer gut now after, after heading out to all these craft breweries, but it was well-earned and I, <laughs> I was happy to grow it. I, speaking of hyper-local, this is definitely, I, I think, more of a South Side thing than a North Side thing. You talk about a North Side thing. You talk about the local high schools, Macaulay High School, Marion Catholic. I don't see the same sort of proprietary pride in North Side high schools, but that's a thing on the South Side. It is. It's weird. Um, the only way I can kind of describe it, my wife is from Wheeling, West Virginia. So she's not from here. Uh, I met her in my travels when I was younger. And she moved back here and she laughs about the South side. She's like, for all the, the joking that you have about where I come from, some small town that cares about high school sports, the South side's the same thing. Like she, she just goes, it's the same thing. First of all, everybody knows each other. Uh, it's like the, it's like a very big little city down here. Yeah. It's like a small town. Everybody knows each other and everybody still cares about what happened in high school. Everybody's still following their high school sports. Everybody kind of like is interested in what's going on with the high schools. And, and, and you know what? She's right. I didn't, I never thought of it as much as I do now that she compares it. And she goes, you know, it, it, it's very similar to small town America, the way that the South side kind of latches on to their, their communities, their neighborhoods, their high schools, things like that. And, and you know what? The great thing is, is that this summer we're getting back the uh, the church carnivals. Like that's the yes. biggest. I'm in Evergreen Park right now. The biggest story this week is that Most Holy Redeemer uh, has gotten permission to have their carnival all of a sudden. And it was originally canceled. And it's like people are dancing in the streets right now that the zipper is coming. Like they're super excited about it. They can't do the zipper. Yeah, they, they can't wait to get an elephant here. <laughs> well, what, what's the one ride that goes around super fast? It's not like the zipper that goes vertical. It's, it's like, horse, is that the Himalaya that goes super fast? Oh, are you talking about the one where you stick to the wall, the Gravitron? No, not the Gravitron. Just it's like a, it's like a coaster, but it goes super fast in a circle on a track. I, I think it's the Himalaya. Now, when I was a kid, Chris, you could count on that ride to hear Slayer, Judas Priest and Metallica songs. Yeah, the music's all different now at the carnivals. Yeah, it's all very, very pop and synthy. You're right. You're right. And, but, and you're right though, about what used to play on those rides. Those are, that's exactly what would play on that ride. That's where you got all your eighties hair metal was on that ride. Totally. And then you'd play the games. You'd get like a little rock and roll mirror, like a picture of the swan song logo, logo Led Zeppelin for popping enough balloons with darts or throwing rings on bottles. I mean, that's Americana. Yeah. The, the, the neighborhood carnival or the church carnival in the parking lot. And that, that is a, that is a thing down here that was missing last summer that I'm, I'm pretty excited is coming back. It, it's, it's weird, the things that you missed, but those, those are the, and you, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it's like that in any other area, but I know down here on the South side that those, those carnivals are such a big deal and people go to them, even if it's not their school, like they head over to one and then they're like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm going to head over to such and such parish. They're having a carnival this weekend. Like that's not a. It's, it's strange, but like people would rather go to the carnivals than go, you know, travel someplace else. And one of the, one of the other neat things that's going on down here that is 
it's new. I'll tell you that it's it's really new. Is the uh in, is are there is the restaurant scene down here? The restaurant scene's gotten very um I don't know trendy, like that, not in terms of prices, but like some of the. It used to be that we had very basic food down here, and now we have stuff that like I my wife or my friends will sit there and say there's absolutely no reason for us to travel downtown to have a fancy meal. There's an awful lot of options that are here. So it, it, the South side has been, it, it's keeping its small town roots and it's getting, uh, but it's also growing up an awful lot, I believe. So does that mean there are places selling acai bowls in, in Alsip <laughs> next, next to the Swaparama? <laughs> you could buy anything down here. Come on. <laughs> okay. Here's a, I've driven by the Swaparama a million times. I've never been in. Is it, is it sketch? Is it CD? Is it, or is it a legit flea market? It's 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 a it's a flea market. I mean, what first of all, what flea market isn't a little uh, sketchy? You know, I mean, I, I've been in them before. I don't I don't hang out in flea markets though. I mean, I'm sure there are Southsiders that like to hang out in flea markets. That See, dude, I'm a record collector. I'm looking for yeah. any excuse to find used vinyl. Well, then go to a flea market. I guess I don't know what you find in flea markets. I think the last time I was in a flea market, my grandmother dragged me there, and I'm lucky I left with the same grandmother. All right. I mean, I remember being frightened the entire time I was there yeah. and, and eating candy that looked like M&M's, but it was called, you know, Q and Q and Q's or something like that. It had a different letter on it. Like, like everything was like a knockoff product in the place. I, I, I don't go to those places. They frighten me. It's like going to Aldi where they don't have fruit loops. They have fruit rounds. <laughs> it's like a parallel universe. Yeah. Yeah. And, or you can go to, we're going to be featuring it. I think on uh, one of the very, uh, one of the shows very soon heading to the jewel in Elsip. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there is a depression in the parking lot in the jewel. That's in Elsip down here on the South side. This is a real thing. I thought this was a joke that one of the guys on the show, like, you mean in the, in the pavement, there's the pavement. Yes. There's something went wrong when they were putting it in. And at the end of the lot, there is a, just a hole basically where it's kind of like, and when it rains, there's no drainage. And so on really hot summer days, you will find people that will walk down there with a tube. No, no. In the Elsa parking lot pool. That is a real thing. That is, that is so lo-fi. That's so if unbelievable. You're looking, if you're looking for something like, you know, skip the skip the flea market, go to the Elsa jewel pool and check that out sometime, JBL. Do people on the South side really say jewels? I've honestly never heard someone say, go to the I've jewels. never said jewels before in my life. I, I, it's one of those things that like people always say that we say, I, I've never said it in my life that way. I've never, never heard anyone say that. No, I don't know where that comes from. And I, I, I've never gotten, sometimes you hear people who will, uh, who will like make fun of Chicago accents and they'll say something. I'd be like, I don't say it that way. I've never heard anybody else say it that way. The jewels thing is not something that I've, I've no. ever really heard anybody say, honestly, I've heard How- people say it as a joke, but I've never heard somebody just say it. How would you describe the Chicago accent to someone who doesn't know? Wow. Um, well, first of all, it's the correct way to talk, but uh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but, but I, I, I can't, you see, here's the thing. I've never, I have a different perspective on it because it's how I speak compared to what other people think. I'll tell you this great story. If you, if you'll indulge me for a second, I was doing long time ago in another life. I, I did a little radio and uh, I was in wheel- a great, great industry, by the way. Nothing but promise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I recommend it to every young kid. Throw all throw everything into being a radio broadcaster. And I'm sure your dreams will come true. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but I, I was doing morning radio out in Wheeling, West Virginia, where I met my wife. And uh, and and I was in a club one night and I had I I had this like mobile microphone 
And I bump into this guy in the club and his beer spills on him. And he's got to be six foot eight. He's just huge. He probably played offensive line for like, you know, the wheeling football team is, they they probably have his letterman jacket inside of a glass case. Like he's going to kill me. (laughs) He looks at me and he starts like yelling at me that I spilled a drink. And, you know, I turn around and I said something like, Hey man, calm down. And it's all I said. And he took two steps back. And then I was like, I was like, I'll get you another one. He's like, don't worry about it. And he walked away. And, I, and, I, and I'm sitting at the bar two seconds later. Another guy walks up who's from the radio station. He goes, man, you're scary when you're angry. He said he wasn't angry. He goes, no, you sound like Joe Pesci when you get upset. <laughs> and, 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 and I have now heard, you know, in my travels, there are a lot of people that find our accent to be very frightening when we get angry or when we get agitated or when we get excited. Uh, I was in Reno, Nevada, and they did a survey of all the people on the radio station. And it came back that 82% of women in Reno, Nevada thought I sounded angry all the time on the air because of my accent. So my accent was an issue because it sounds to other people that I'm agitated or angry or everything. Even when I'm happy, I sound angry. So I don't know what my accent sounds like. It sounds normal to me. But there are other places in this country where our accent scares the bejesus out of people. That's interesting. And here's the thing, Chris, listening to Southside Pod. And listening to everything else you do, I, I think you're, you have a very approachable style and delivery. I, I, you sound like the kind of dude I'd hang out with. Thank you. In fact, we should hang out. We should hang out. It's all my fault we're not hanging out. I, I, I'm going to admit to everybody, I wanted to hang out with JVO, and then I got sick this week, and it's not the COVID. I don't have the Rona. Uh, I'm all vaccinated, uh, but turns out that the uh, the COVID vaccine does not protect against everything else in the world. I, I, wish, I wish it did. Uh, one shot, I could do whatever I wanted to, and uh, I don't have to wash my hands anymore, and I can use public restrooms, and I can just eat right off of the counter inside of the gas station restroom and not get sick. But supposedly, you can still get other things, and I couldn't come see JVL. So Wait, so you're saying that even though you're vaccinated for COVID, you shouldn't raw dog a drifter? No, no. And, and, and you know, that should be on the label. Like they should give you something after the COVID shot. Thank you. Oh, that before you do such a thing, because (laughs) because I feel like there should be warning. I mean, like they put like, don't drink this right away. It's hot or warning contents are hot. And on on my McDonald's coffee, there should be something that also warns me not to take part in behavior like that after I take a COVID vaccine. Well, Chris, since you are the unofficial ambassador of the South Side, at least on Kirkland Carney, you are. you talked about how there, there is a blind spot for people who aren't on the north side for what goes on there culturally. Uh, as far as like cheap eats, like a great, great dive that may be off the radar, where, where would you send us to? Wow, you put me on the spot. You should send these questions in advance. I, no, I shouldn't. That's, that's terrible journalism. A, 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 a cheap eats place that you should kind of that you could. Well, I think, you know. I've got I've gotten really bad with understanding what's cheap and what isn't cheap. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a thing. I, I've 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 gotten I've gotten poor at trying to figure out like what what is it like what's inside of everybody's budget. I could tell you places that I enjoy going to that maybe are a little bit off. Well, the- let's start there. Let's start there. We, we can kind of go somewhere like that. So um, I enjoy kind of spots down here that you might want to go and try. You mentioned out in Blue Island that, that Rock Island Public House, the butter upon bacon. That that is. That is a neat little space because the the food that's down there is it, it's it's stuff that you wouldn't be able to find anywhere else inside of an atmosphere that you wouldn't even think they're serving food. Like yeah. if you didn't notice that there was that 
that little counter there, you wouldn't even realize that there was food there. And then when you go there, they have this gourmet stuff that they're cooking in the back. Oh, but it's it's, it's elevated bar food. It is elevated bar food. Right. I mean, that, that's that's some good stuff. Uh, other places that I, I kind of enjoy eating down here, like, like places I like to eat out and and, and check out um, uh, Open Outcry Brewing over on on Western Avenue. They have a, a pizza oven inside of there where they put together some great wood fire pizzas. And mm-hmm. pizzas are not kind of things that that people Chicagoans are very particular about their pizzas and not everybody likes a wood fired pizza. They want to have their deep dish or their, their regular bar pizza or anything like that. But, but that is a really, that they've got some really interesting combinations on their pizzas, uh, you know, sticking with pizzas, Rosangela's and Evergreen park is one of the go-to spots for me to go get a pizza. I, I, I'm writing this shit down when you get down there. And then, and then I'm going to give you a, a place that we had on Southside Pod, since we're on pizza, that I would recommend to anybody. It's in Crestwood, Illinois, and it's called Louisa's. And what I learned, and if you listen to that episode, Louisa, Louisa's restaurant, or the Louisa herself, is one of the originators of deep dish pizza. Stop okay. it. She actually sat down with all of the, I mean, when they tell the story, it's like there were like the five families of Chicago pizza who sat down with each other and they all have these names that are very recognizable, but it's the people behind Uno's and Dues and like the Malnati's and everything else like that. And she was one of the people that developed this whole thing when they first came up with it years and years and years ago, her granddaughter now runs the place. And when you go there, it, you, you just, you're thinking, oh, well, this place is just some pizza place off the side of the road. And, and you know, it's in Crestwood and whatever. I'm just going to, and you order the food. And you're like, wow, I, I can get myself one of the best, if not the best deep dish Chicago style pizzas that there is. And I'm not downtown and I'm not at the places that everybody's ever heard of before because they they kind of came up with it. And then she just kept their little spot down in Crestwood and didn't do anything else. So uh, it's like a hidden gem on the south side. That little fact right there made everything up till up until now has been great. Uh, that made this worth its weight in gold. That, that that right there, that's the pro tip we were looking for. Yeah, that's why you got to listen to Southside Pod because there we go visit those places, which is great. I love I love restaurant reviews more than anything because they always feed me. Like when I walk in, I'm always prepared, <laughs> I'm always prepared to like buy my meal when we go and do these reviews. Like I don't expect them to give it to me, but they're always just so like so nice when whenever you know restaurants are so nice when they host you and you come in there but that place fed me like i mean they they hand rolled a gnocchi there's only one person there and it's allowed to do it okay and it, like everything in there was like so authentic and when and when you get in and you sit down in a restaurant and they're telling you their story and they're bringing out their food that they're very proud of that is one of my most favorite things to do and uh, we we get to do that a lot i think uh, right now on Southside pot it's a lot of fun i love it and it- you said it. I mean, this is really, it covers everything. It's all aspects of culture on the South side. And it's a great way to open up your eyes and, and mind to the stuff that's happening maybe a little bit further down the road. If you're on the North side. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you can come down if you're from the North side. I mean, South siders really don't care if you come down. I that's mean, right. Just so you understand that. Like we really don't care. Like we're <laughs> <laughs> like, here's the thing. Like we, we, we laughed about it when we talked about doing the show. And, you know, I do with a couple of different guys down here. Bill and Mike are the two main guys, my two main friends that sit down here with me. And uh, and I think Bill was the one who sat there and said, are we trying to get people to come to the South Side? And I was like, no, not really. I don't want to have to stand in line any longer for any of these restaurants. Like, I don't I don't want the price of beer to go up. And this is more just for Southsiders. It's like, OK, mm-hmm. good. So he'll be very disappointed if all of a sudden a bunch of Northsiders come down because they they watch this. All right. So. 
if you could all just keep this under your hat and stay north, okay? North is the place to be. Don't come to the south side. The south side, there's nothing to see here, folks. Nothing at all. I love it. Well, I do love the show. And again, like I said, you're you have a very approachable way of doing things. I mean, you're you're in your groove. I mean, you sound this is this this is a really well done podcast. And it's one of the reasons I wanted you to be part of Phonation. I just I think it's excellent. It is it is real, it is authentic, it is Chicago AF. Uh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, James. I, I really appreciate you talking so nice about the uh, the show. I mean, we we do it because we love doing it. And um, and you know, it, it's rewarding when people people listen to your 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 podcast, I guess. You know, I it's, mean, it's crazy. Fun. It's crazy I, when they do that. I, don't, I never get it. Like I, I've ne- I'll never under I've never understood why anybody listens to anything that I say. Um, neither can my sister. My, my younger sister, Gina, has been saying it now ever since the first time I ever sat in front of a microphone. Why would anybody listen to anything that you have to say? But uh, I really appreciate what you just said about the show and we'll keep making them. What's the hardest part about doing a podcast and why is it booking guests? <laughs> I don't you know what? I don't know why it is booking guests. Think about what I do with the Southside Pod just for that. You know, for, for Southside Pod as an example, here's a show that that reaches specifically into an area where like say a restaurant or a bar or a village or something would want to get their word out. And I still probably only get 40% of them to say yes. Yeah. And, and I don't understand why, because it is, it's a, it's a free way to get what you want out. And yet some people are just very hesitant. Now I've also noticed that people are nervous because they're, they're afraid they're going to be bad at it. So uh, what I've no, what I've noticed is that, uh, if I can get a guest to come on and let's say they know other people that I might also want to have on and they're able to say like, Hey, he makes it really comfortable. And he edits out all my mistakes and he makes me feel better about myself. Then all of a sudden, like the guests start rolling in. So, but, but yeah, booking a guest is like the hardest thing to do. It's the most frustrating thing to do. Absolutely. I, yeah. I've said when I make my first million from Carquin Carney first, is that water? Or is that vodka? No, uh, it's water. Vodka might kill when I'm still fighting, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Stay hydrated, Chris. No, I said when I make my first million, the first thing I'm doing is paying for a producer. Just just to take that off my plate. But I can't do that. See, that's the thing. Like, I'll be honest with you. That's the one thing I was never able to do is hand over control of the show to anybody. Like, I want somebody to book a guest, but I, I have to produce the entire thing. Like, I have to I have to put the music in. I have to decide exactly when the next segment starts and how it sounds like to me it's if somebody else does it it drives me absolutely nuts like anytime i've ever had somebody help me with any show i've ever done (laughs) most i would ever let them do is help me book guests and then that's what i mean i don't mean like audio production oh yeah okay help help me with guest booking oh no no i'm I'm right there with you on that i I, I like i want a salesperson see that's the thing i need yeah we, we actually you know, the way we kind of set up things once we realize how people listen to it is we've started to sell local commercials, uh, which has done really well. But I'm ne- I've never been a sales guy and I hate selling things. And I never really liked salespeople in radio when I knew them. Like I married a girl who was a sales girl, but I that was because she was cute. Otherwise, most salespeople in radio stations drive me nuts. So I, I never wanted to go and do that. So I am the most awkward person in the world. Like somebody comes to me and they're like, Hey, uh, should I spend money with your podcast? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I like, I have no idea what to do. So that would, that would, that would be the first thing I would get, but then that person would probably, you know, be annoying because most salespeople are annoying. So that, then I'd be right back being miserable again. So, but you said, I think this is true of musicians as well, certainly with podcasters. It's a different part of your brain. 
there's the creative side and you want to be focused on show building and growing what you're doing creatively and reaching out to people, cold calling. Oh, sweet Jesus. I, I can't do that to save my soul. I, I hate it. It's so antithetical to everything I, I, I do. Yeah. I think what I want to do. I think one of the greatest thing that's happened to me is that business people talk to other business people. Yes. And so when I started doing the evergreen park one and we were in such a small area that like, I. Some restaurants and bars and business people would mention to other people what they were doing to market their business and would mention the show. Yeah. And then those people would contact me. And then when, and, the, and it just kind of snowballed. I mean, I would say that the majority of people that support these podcasts that we do monetarily were because somebody else recommended us to them because me knocking on a door is just the most awkward thing in the world. <laughs> like me trying to, to sell it is just the most strangest thing in the because I have no idea what I'm doing. The amount of times I've been laughed at by somebody when I'm like, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm not a salesperson. And they laugh. They're like, yeah, that's pretty obvious. Like I just, I'm not that to me, I'm putting something together. I love doing. Yeah. And, and I enjoy doing, and you know, I, that, that's what I would rather focus on always. Totally get it. Now, to be fair, you're not a typical salesperson, but podcasting isn't traditional media. I think that's part of the appeal. It's I mean, having that access to the host and to the content into the content, you can't get that at TV, radio, print. No, no, you can't do that. And uh, I think that's that's the one thing that makes it such an interesting medium. I, I really think that podcasting there. I don't know if what I'm trying to do right now is is something that will turn into one of the ways that people do it or if I'm just a crackpot, but. What, what, what we've been able to do with our, our little network and the fact that like I can sit there and endorse certain things and we can be out at people's spots and we can kind mm-hmm. of like, we've almost gotten to the point now where I think some businesses work with each other because both of them are on our shows. And so they love it. each other because of it. And then they start collaborating with each other. We kind of become part of that. You know, we it, it's, and, and then the hyper local thing, like you said earlier on, Hyper local is the way to go. I think that if you if you really want to get into podcasting, first of all, you have to really love what you're going to talk about because you can't fake it. You you can't Absolutely. fake it. At some point, you're going to get tired, and then it's going to come through that you either don't know what you're talking about or you don't care about it. And then the the other thing is, why would anybody ever support your podcast or put any money behind it if there wasn't a benefit in the long term for that person? People don't just right. give money for free. So, you know, when you're hyper local or when you serve like a certain segment of the population, then all of a sudden you become something that's more valuable. You know, I mean, we were there's one Joe Rogan. That's it. Uh, Everybody else is trying to be him. You're just spinning your wheels. You know, you have to find what you are and then and then create what you are like making and then also do it with the mindset of who does it serve? And, you know, can I enjoy what I'm doing and be happy with it? But it also serves a purpose that other people might want to be involved with it. And I think that's the real trick to podcasting going forward. I I completely agree. And we see, I mean, the barrier for entry for podcasting is so low. Anyone can do it. Yeah. As a result, anyone does do it. And what we see is maybe four, five, six months down the road, people who start podcasts realize, oh, wait, I'm looking at these metrics and they're horrifying. And I'm not making money and I'm spending five to 10 hours a week on this. What am I doing here? And then as quickly as they come, they go, which isn't a negative or, or a criticism. That's just, that's the way it's been working. And you really, to your point, you have to really be passionate about what you're doing and committed to 
putting in the time. You have to be tenacious. You have to just stick to it. You, you, you have to want it too. I mean, you have to be able to force your way through bad weeks. Like I perfect example is this past week, like <laughs> running. I mean, I have right now, I have four podcasts that I currently appear on and produce. And then I produce two other ones that are on the network for people that do theirs. So I have six different podcasts. Two of them run twice a week. So that's eight shows that have to be done in the five in the, like a regular work week, plus all mm-hmm. the stuff that we do with the network. And like I said, the annoying sales stuff, everything like that. Right. And and then I get sick and I can't get out of bed for four days. Like and, and so like you, you get to this point sometimes where you're just like, I, I if I didn't love it, I would have given up this week. Like this would have been the week I'd have been like, that's it. I'm done. Not a podcaster anymore. This is, this is stupid. It's a waste of my time. This many things went wrong this week. I'm done with it. Like you, that's why it's important to do something you really like doing because it's not easy. You know, I think that, I think that everybody, I think like you said, with the accessibility and everybody can start one there, everybody dreams of, you know, being on the radio or being on television or, you know, being famous. I mean, what the heck? That's what Twitter is. Twitter is just a way for everybody to get a chance to be famous, even if just for a moment. Mm -hmm. But it's, but the thing is, is that you're not doing it for the fame. Like you didn't start broadcasting because you wanted to be famous. No, I started creativity of it. I started broadcasting. I like the creativity of it, but I feel like that there's a lot of people that do it because they're like, oh, this is great. People think I'm awesome. I'll have fans and, and then it'll be an easy job. And it's not that. And that's the thing. You know, I, I don't think people understand that all the time. Yeah, it's funny. I, I was talking about this. I forgot someone recently on the, on the podcast. Um, I got into radio. I think I was talking about it on Scott Lucas's podcast, Lifers, which is fantastic. Uh, also part of Phonation. I got into broadcasting because I wanted to play music. I wanted to talk about records. That's it. And it, what was most surprising to me when I first started my broadcasting career at Q101 in Chicago, a lot of the disc jockeys who were there full time, yeah, they liked music, but they didn't like music. They weren't they weren't going to shows. They weren't avid music collectors. They you know they thought music was cool, but they were on the radio to be famous, to be the next Jonathan Brandmeier or Steve Dollar, Kevin Matthews. And I just didn't get it. Yeah, I, I got into it because I I mean, I'm going to sound so stupid when I say it, but I got into it because I loved the idea of the theater of mm. radio like I was a morning guy. That's all I wanted to be was a morning guy. I listened to Chicago morning radio and I, I loved when they did things that sounded real. That might not have been real when they sucked you into a storyline that made you sit inside of the car, even though you were five minutes late. Yeah. Going to. You know mean? And I thought that that was so cool. And there were a lot of guys that did it. Um, the guy that always pops into my head is uh, I always thought man, Kyle Muller was really good at it for all the things that he does every once in a while that were kind of obnoxious. Um, that he was really good at, at that theater of the mind oh. stuff back there in the nineties. It was incredible. And when I started doing like morning radio, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to tell a story and I wanted to, you know, I wanted it to be funny, but it was more the creative part. Like I never thought anybody was listening to it. Like I remember the first time somebody came in and actually showed me something that said people were listening to it. And I was in shock. Like, I never believed anybody was listening to it. Like my, my first year uh, ever on the radio, I was on one Oh seven, one, the planet in Champaign, Illinois. And I was my first time I was on morning radio. We were about eight months into it. And that, that morning, hey, hey, I've got to interrupt you, Chris. Yeah. 
I, I'm not saying you're one of these people, but I swear to God, everyone I know who's come from the planet WPGU walks out of that radio station and that experience thinking that they're a broadcast Hall of Famer. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Hey, am I am I crazy in that perception? They, a lot oh, of people no, take themselves there very are, seriously. There are, a lot of people, there are a lot of people that went there to think they're great. And, uh-huh. and you know what? <laughs> they would all laugh at me because of the fact that back when I was there, I thought I was great. But I, I'm I'm very well. I'm very well aware that there was nothing that special about me. But I but at the time, all of a sudden, like we we shot up. We were we were number one in like all these big demographics. And I, I couldn't believe it to the point where. I, I was so focused on putting together a show that when somebody said people were listening, I just thought it was a mistake. So I couldn't wait for my time there to end and go to another radio station before somebody realized I wasn't funny. Like I was number one, like 18 to 34 for like a year. And I wanted to get out of there before the next ratings book came out because I was convinced I was this was a mistake. You, and you, I, had, you had imposter syndrome. Huh? You had imposter syndrome. That's what I was like. I was like, there's no way that this is entertaining to anybody. So like where most people get into it and they're like, I'm great. And I'm doing it for the fame. I was like, somebody's going to figure me out at some point here. Like, like, this is like, like I'm having fun, but there's no way other people are enjoying us. That's how I was. It's, it's so interesting. My perceptions of doing radio, how they've evolved and changed since I've been podcasting for the past 15 or whatever years, uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday night, I'm going to be doing an interview tomorrow morning on the morning show in WLSAM about phonation. And the interview, I think, is scheduled for six minutes, which is normal. I've done talk radio. That's that's normal. It feels really weird to commit to a six minute interview. Like we've probably talked for 40 minutes so far. Like the idea of having to condense everything into a six minute best of it's almost hard to do at this point. Yeah, it's that's a hard thing to do. And it's weird. It goes against everything that you're trained to do, because yeah. when, when you're doing radio, like compared to podcasting, like when you're doing radio, it's it's get in, get the best content, get out and don't drag on, you right. know, it, you know, listen for the punchline and, and then get out. Yep. And, you know, that you you talk about like that's the one thing that I when it when south with Southside Pod, if you listen to it, there's still some of that there. There's still, I haven't been able to give that up. If you notice, like we're, we're sitting around, we're having a conversation, but the punchline pops in probably about three, four, five minutes into every segment. Sometimes, sometimes it, it pops in even sooner. And then at least something switches up in there because I still have in the back of my head that silly clock that's like, who really wants to listen to me talk for a half hour? Like they, something needs to break this up. I'm not that entertaining. Like there's no way that anybody's enjoying this right now. So it's like, so if you listen to it, we go from like a segment to another segment, like, oh, now we're at this place. Now we go over here. But that that little clock still in the back of my head from when I used to do radio, like we're like, who really wants to listen to me talk for 30 minutes like that? That's not fun. I'm well, not that- I, well, I want to listen to you. I like Southside Pod. Southside Pod deserves to be immortalized, commemorated, pressed onto a handsome 10 track vinyl edition phonation. Uh, I want to get people to pledge money. Or at least tell it, you know, I realize the past year has been a shit show. Uh, if you can't afford to pledge, let people know. Funding for Phonation, a Chicago podcast compilation, wraps up Friday night, the 25th at 8 p.m. So the, the clock is ticking. And I'd love for people to own this and put this on their shelves. If they don't even collect vinyl, it would still look cool in their house. And I promise the cover will look cool, too. So, so now if for some reason we don't get to the to the total 
And is there like a backup plan where we come back with only like one or two shows and it's about the size of that McDonald's record <laughs> time? Remember, uh, we had to sing the whole song, Big Mac McDLT, a quarter pounder with some food. And if it got all the way through, I, I do remember one, that. You remember that? Like, I, like that, that one you might be able to do for less. Yeah, there, there's no backup plan. I mean, it really, it's, it's an all or nothing. Well, I mean, it's an all or nothing thing. And, you know, if you're trying, if you're going down the road of trying to get funded, it's almost not healthy or, or counterproductive to think, well, if this doesn't work, what can we do? No, when you're in it, you're fucking in it. You've got to make this happen. And that's that's where I'm at right now. And I realize with a lot of these projects, sometimes the funding will happen within the last 24 hours. I'm hoping that happens with this because, I, again, I don't think it's a question of if. I think it's a question of when we'll start seeing podcasts pressed onto vinyl, just like we did radio shows in the old days or comedy records. I think it's just a given that this will happen. I'd like to say that Chicago podcasts were the first first in the pool for this. Well, I think it's a great idea, and I I think I've already mentioned this to you, but uh, if I haven't, I I'm in, I'm I'm honored that you liked the show so much to put it on there. To be honest with you, like I when you reached out, I was like, come on, like <laughs> like really, like we're we're one of the ten that you want to put on here. Are you crazy? Did you get our one good episode? But I, I really do appreciate the uh, the the fact that you're putting us on there, and and, and I hope it works out. I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. And again, going back to hyperlocal, there are there are plenty of Chicago based podcasts, but yours really speaks to Chicago culture and it, it speaks to a very specific interest in category. And that was one of the goals is having a breadth of tastes and interests represented. And I mean, you fucking nail Southside culture and lifestyle. I, I love it. And I, I think it's a really important piece of what this can and will be awesome. Well, I, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to hear it. I got to get a record player, but then I'm going to, I'm going to listen to it. You know, they're giving them away for a song. Now record players are super cheap. Like seriously, <laughs> maybe I could, maybe I could exchange my VCR here in the back room for one. Yeah. The VCR, forget the VCR. You can get a, a turntable for like 80 bucks now. Like if you just get it on target. And, I love that you're keeping it alive. I, I keep looking at your record collection behind you and I, I love it. Dude, I love just it. hang on just today. Right before we started recording, I went to um, Rattleback uh, on the north side in Andersonville. Bought this Sugar Copper Blue on vinyl, which can which also includes Beaster, the EP. Uh, one of my favorite albums of the '90s. I never owned it on vinyl. It's one I'll play to death. But yeah, I'm, I'm keeping it going. I bought records as early so, as. So are records like they sound better to you? Like you just like you just enjoy the the record sound. No, no, it's, I'm not one of those people. Well, records just sound warmer. I, I, I'm not an audiophile. I'm a music fan. And after listening to so much digital music for so many years, there is a lot to be said for when you put a record on, you are committing to that vision, that artistic statement for 20 minutes. No one gets up and, and changes the, the track on a record. They let the, they let the whole side through. Right. Uh, for better or for worse, you're listening to that artist's work, work from start to finish. And I, I like the immersiveness of this because I, I don't know if you're like me, uh, when I listen to digital music, especially if I'm using Bluetooth in my car, I don't listen to the full song. It, it, it's, it becomes this weird ADD thing where I'll hear the first two minutes of a song and I'll skip the track and I'll keep going. And I, I find I don't enjoy music as much when I listen like that. But when I put a record on, yeah, fuck it. I'm all, I'm all in. You know I, what I, I miss? I miss, uh, I miss the CDs with all the lyrics inside the book. 
And every once in a while, like a hidden map or something like remember and which one was it? The Weezer, the second one, Pinkerton. Yeah. yeah. If you pulled the back of the CD case apart, there was a map that was like hidden back in there. I miss that kind of stuff, too. You know, you're right. This digital stuff's terrible. Uh, The only the only time I listen to digital when I'm at home now is if I'm preparing for an interview for Carcon Carney. Or if I'm screening music for my demo 312 show on KQX, that's the only time I'm listening to music digitally. Otherwise, I'm throwing on records. Working from home the past 15 months, I just kept changing the record. And I love it. It just, it feels more immersive. But I'm not not an audiophile. I'm not going to tell you that the way a 180 gram record is pressed means that the sound you're getting is a more rich and nuanced. (laughs) No, fuck. I, I just, I like I like the, the the experience, the artistic experience of listening to records. That's really cool. I think it's cool. I, you know, that's I think one of the things that's missing in this world is that there's too many people that like miss the the nuances and the stuff that you enjoy. It's the same thing as like, yeah, I like taking trips and I like driving so I can see the country instead of flying over it. You know, I think we, you know, we're too into the instant stuff. I, I like it. I, I agree. Gonna, I'm going to get a record player now. You've convinced me. It's so cheap. It, and then you can go to Beverly Records on the south side. There you, you go. Can, you can interview them about their long history in Beverly. I mean, I'm not going to feed you more guest ideas, but no, uh, all right. A, you can be my producer. Like I said, we need one of those. Over That's here. right. All right. Chris Lanuti of Southside Pod, SouthsidePod.com is where we can learn and hear everything we need to learn and hear about Southside Pod. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank you, JVO. Thanks for having me on.